So at the start of this message, we're going to do the same thing that we did last Sunday, if you were here. We're going to do a little crowdsourcing. It's so exciting. I'm like, technology is so new for me. So we're going to do some crowdsourcing. Um, and we're going to do the crowdsourcing along our ministry year theme, which is Be Like Jesus. And so on the screen here, in just a sec, we're going to put up a, a number. If you were here last week, this is what we did last week. What would you put into that blank for you, for your life, to be like Jesus? To forgive like Jesus, or be patient like Jesus, or have courage like Jesus? What would you put into that blank? What I'd like you to do is pull out your cell phone, uh, and if you did this last week, that's, that's, that's okay. You can add more things if you want. Um, pull out your cell phone and type this number, 878-777-4242. Yeah, I'm not very good with technology. 878-777-4242, and that's in your text area, whatever you do for texting. And then in your message, Put the hashtag, hashtag like Jesus, and then a word that you would put in there. Love, like Jesus. And you can put that in as many times as you want, uh, many different words as you want. What we're going to do with that is um, between uh, Terrence, Susie, and I, we're going to look at all the answers that come in, and we'll share the answers that came in next week. And uh, so, Susie, what? Susie? Susie's directing me. Oh, the phone number has switched. Ooh, okay. So the, the new number is 909-646-4499. We're going to compile all these together. Next week, we'll share, probably we'll share in the groupings what, what they came up. But what we want to do with this is actually help inform the preaching January through March. Because what we are grappling with, what you are grappling with, what we are grappling with as a church in being more and more like Jesus, this is what we want to use to inform how we'll engage the preaching and how we'll deepen our discipleship altogether as a church. So you can go ahead and do this. It'll be um, up uh, the... Uh, I believe the answers can come through all during um, the message time, even all through the service. So go ahead and put them in there, and then um, we'll share those results uh, next week. All right. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and start the message. If you were here for the creative element for the kids, I brought that little mosaic tile. Um, that was for them, something visual. I brought something a little bit more adult uh, for you guys to open up this message. And uh, so what I brought was a property tax bill, <laughs> which uh, I think some of you appreciate. Um, property taxes, right? Uh, now, in the secular world, it says that there's only two things that are certain in life death, and 
taxes, right? That's the secular world. Now, in the Christian world, we'd say, well, there are other things that are certain in life. Jesus Christ, eternal life, forgiveness, a loving God. Um, but, but for the sake of harmony between us and the secular world, I'm going to talk a little bit about taxes. So taxes, right? We pay taxes. Income tax, sales tax, or uh, property tax. Now, if you don't pay your property tax, what happens to you? (laughs) Yes, you lose your house. That's a very good answer. If you don't pay your property tax, you you might lose your house. Um, In this property tax bill, if you don't pay your property tax by, uh, what is this date? Uh, Well, it's due November 1st. I haven't paid it yet. Um, <laughs> but if you don't pay by December 10th, you incur this penalty. In the fine print down here, it says delinquent penalty of 10%. So what is the motivation for paying property tax? Right? Why, why do people pay this? I'm supposed to pay this before December 10th. Why do people pay it? Now... You might think people pay it because of the good, of the good. You're motivated out of the good, like mosquito abatement or vector control. Uh, That's killing rodents. Um, uh, Library service is on here, Uh, a little property tax for library service, or a school measure. Those are all good things. Yeah, I'm going to pay my property tax because of the good. But I think most people, if you, most people are like me, I think we pay our property tax because we're actually trying to avoid the bad. We're trying to avoid the 10% penalty after December 10th. Okay, so where am I going with this? Why, why am I talking about this? Today is the second message in a series of three messages where we're talking as a church about stewardship. And there's a pledge card on your chair and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes people approach offering stewardship within the church like it's a tax. Like it's like a tax. And what I'm going to talk about is it's actually nothing at all like a tax at all. Now, there are some uh, times where people would think about like giving within a church bringing an offering, there's stewardship, there's guilt, there's pressure, obligation. Um, Sometimes even depending on your cultural family story of origin, there might even be worked in uh, sort of family history where you would make some kind of offering, maybe some sort of ancestral offering in order to not incur a penalty from the spirit world. I mean, certain, certain cultures, they, they, they carry that. But Scripture talks about offering and stewardship and money differently than all the way the secular world talks about it and even some uh, cultural background talks about it. And where I'm going with this is that in offering to God, stewardship to God is an act 
of freedom and joy. It's an act of freedom and joy. And in a moment, we're going to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, where it's just one story of different stories within Scripture. It's an episode in Scripture in the Old Testament where the people of God came together and their stewardship and their offering was, not, was marked by freedom and by joy. And my hope is that when we think about stewardship, when we think about offering, it's not thought about in terms of taxation or punishment at all. We leave that outside into the secular world. And we embrace what Scripture talks about, which is offering as an act of freedom and joy. There are different ideas that are all connected around freedom and joy that are all connected within this whole realm of stewardship. And it's this, that thanksgiving, giving thanksgiving, giving thanks leads to greater freedom and joy, which then leads us into generosity. Can can you put up that next, I think this, this slide also will have some arrows with it, Steph? Um, uh, That's okay. That's that's a little bit, we're eventually going there. That's a little further down the way. Um, Is there another one? That, no, there's not another one. Okay. Well, if you can go back to the previous one, there's a little preview of what we're going to talk about. Um, But let me, let me try to say it like this then. Um, If you think about generous people, Think about some people that you know that are very, very generous. And I think when you think about their character and the quality of their personality, generous people are people who are joyful and they experience a level of freedom. They experience a level of freedom around their finances. And the reason I think that they are free and joyful around their finances is because they understand thankfulness. They're thankful for what they have. They're thankful for what they've earned. They're thankful for what they've been given. And so when we understand all of this, and we're thankful, we're grateful, it moves to freedom and joy, and then that moves to generosity. And if you were here last week, I spent almost all the time talking about that first part, thankfulness. It was worship and gratitude. That was last week's message. Thankfulness. It's expressed in worship and gratitude to God. So we're going to dive a little bit more into this whole idea of stewardship, looking at this Old Testament passage it comes out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to drop into this. This is the last chapter in the book of 1 Chronicles. And what's going on here is we're going to see King David giving a prayer before all the people, before all the people of God. Now, this is the same King David who a few uh, months back, I talked about this guy who really messed up, who really needed God's forgiveness. Well, here again is this same King David, God working in him and through him to lead his people. They are preparing to build their place of worship. It's called the temple. It's called the temple in, um, in Jerusalem. 
Historically, it took place around 970 BC. It was the temple that Solomon built. So sometimes called this, uh, Solomon's temple. But what I want to focus on is this profound prayer that David gives and how the people are participating in their stewardship. Listen to how David describes the people and how he prays to God. The first part of this prayer, starting in verse 10, is actually thankfulness. It's worship and gratitude to God. Worship and gratitude to where he starts. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, this is his prayer, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Right? Praising God for who God is. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you as gratitude. Riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. All right, this is what God has done, praising God for what God has done, for who God is and what God has done. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. So those whole first verses right there, it's all about thankfulness. Thank you, God, for who you are, for what you've done, and for what you've provided, and for what you've given us. Thankfulness to God. And then his prayer begins to shift. Again, this is before all the assembly, all the people are gathered. He goes on to say, verse 14, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly? Maybe he's reflecting on his life. Who am I? Who am I that I should be able to do this? For all things come from you, and from your own have we given to you, or from your own have we given back to you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Which basically means our days on the earth are very temporary. And there is no abiding, no expectation of long life. We're not going to be around here forever. You, O oh God, are eternal. You, O oh God, provide for us. But we are not going to be around here all the time. So then he says this in 16. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for, the, for building you a house, this is the temple, for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Right? This idea that they're offering, they're giving back to God what came from God originally. All that we are giving is from your hand and is all your own. And then this last part, and this is where David is talking about his people. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. 
In the uprightness of my heart, I've offered these things. This is the same guy who prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. It's been restored here. In an upright heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyfully to you. And in this last part, he's saying about the people. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyfully to you. And that is his great prayer, praying for the offering as they build the temple. Now, when I was reading this, I was thinking, this is like GRX. This is what I can say about this community. That when we've looked at the stewardship of this community, there are people who are thankful, who are offering with freedom and joy. And we see this, people giving freely and joyfully in our community. And that is the important part, that the offering to God that we give is an act of freedom and joy in our life. Okay, so now to this question that you guys saw a little while ago. This question that comes up, how can I have freedom and joy in my finances, my offering, and stewardship? Maybe you're in a situation or a season right now where you don't feel like there's freedom or joy for you in finances. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you are anxious or you're worried or you feel like there's a lot of comparison between you and, 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 and other people. And when you think about your particular finances, it's not freedom. It's not joy. How can we have freedom and joy? I believe that the answer is actually going through what we see in Scripture. That we begin with a place of thankfulness. That we, get, we begin with a place of remembering all that God has given us. And when we begin in that place, instead of in a place of comparison, instead of in a place of anxiety or worry, when we begin in a place of thankfulness for what God has provided for us, we see that, reflect on that. It can move us into the place of freedom and joy. One of the most difficult things, I think, is actually as modern people to actually consider our lives, reflect on our whole life, and to be able to actually see the places where God has provided for us, the relationships that God has placed into our lives at different times, the mentors that we've had or the teachers, the opportunities that we've been given, the doors that have either opened or closed for us, maybe in a work environment, maybe in a relational environment. These different things, I think it's hard for us as modern people to see God's movement, God's work in our lives. When we do, when we can, we reflect on that. When we can say, God, thank you for this, thank you for this, and list these things, I think it moves us into places of greater freedom and joy. 
both in our finances and in all kinds of places. And then that moves us into generosity. To help us with this, I'm going to suggest some things that you guys can apply, that you guys can actually apply as you think about trying to get into greater freedom and joy with your finances. And the first thing is this, of the three things that apply. Number one is start with thankfulness. There's a practice that sometimes uh, I've suggested that we do, and you keep a running list of 20 things that you're thankful for. You wake up in the morning, you have a little piece of paper or maybe a journal, and you just write 1 to 20, and you write down. Number one, thank you for my vision. Thank you for food. Thank you for, you start listing people's names. Thank you for my dog. Thank you for coffee. Thank you for Pete's decaf, Major Dickinson's blend coffee, right? There are so many things that we can begin to be thankful for. God, thank you for my second grade teacher, Mrs. Koppelman, right? So you do that. You create that list. You do that on Monday, and then on Tuesday, you create another list, and then on Wednesday, you create another list, and on Thursday, you create another list. And I bet if you did that as a spiritual practice, as a spiritual exercise, if you started your day with thankfulness, it might be hard at first to think of something, but I think if you did that, you would be surprised at what you wrote down and you would begin to see the blessings that God has put into your life. Okay, so start with thankfulness. So what we did, Psalm 96. That's what we looked at last week, starting with thankfulness, thanking God for what he's given you, for what God's done, and even thanking God for who he is. And the second thing to move us, especially into this arena of stewardship, is number two, is combat fear. Combat fear. What do I mean by this? Sometimes when it comes to thinking about our finances and our stewardship, there can be all kinds of anxiety and fear that comes up. Scarcity is a fear, anxiousness. If you, in your family story, comes out of an immigrant experience, which, which is our larger covenant church, the 850 churches that are the evangelical covenant church of which we are one, we are an immigrant church. Swedish immigrants came to the United States and formed our community. We are an immigrant church. So maybe you have an immigrant story in your family of origin. Scarcity is a huge fear within the immigrant family story. So when you think about your finances, you might need to combat fear because you might be combating an immigrant story in your own lives. There are other things that are connected with this. There's this kind of a, a fear about being seen by others. How do other people see you, your finances? How, how, how do you think they look at you? How do you look at yourself? How do you compare yourself? There's this fear 
I'm not worth anything if I don't make X amount of dollars, right? So there's a fear of identity. There's a fear of self-worth, right? There's all these fears. And I think if you, if, if you start going into this, we're going to end up running against our fears. And I would say combat those fears by leaning into your value and your worth as a child of God. Scripture tells us that we are beloved children of God. And Scripture also tells us that perfect love with which God loves us casts out fear. So if you're feeling fear around your finances, it might be connected to this sense, this deeper sense that you need to know God's love and provision and care for you. That you're not alone. God will not leave you alone. That God will support you and care for you and provide for you. Our church, as an expression of the body of Christ, will care for you and love you and support you. Okay? So the second thing, combat fear. I think fear comes up a lot when we talk about finances. And then the last thing is then to practice generosity. And that's moving us along. To actually practice generosity. And small is okay. Small is okay. Like when you're, when you're um, just starting out with something and maybe you haven't really practiced generosity. Practice generosity in a very small way. Giving to someone in a way that they can't necessarily repay it. Practice generosity in a small way. I was thinking about this in terms of like physical exercise because generosity is an exercise just like physical exercise. So push-ups came to mind, doing push-ups, okay? Now, I remember we did a GRX retreat. Um, every year we do a GRX retreat in May, and, and you're all invited to come. You should all come. It's, it's a lot of fun. We go off to the, to the uh, Santa Cruz Mountains, and there was this game that we played. It's like a group game, and we were all broken up into teams. It was kind of a mixer, and it was, okay, from your team, send up the person that can do the most push-ups. And that person came up on the stage, and then there was like this push-up contest. We had a push-up contest on there. And I don't remember, um, does anybody remember like what were, like who were some of our push-up champions? I can't remember. The Royal and Shin. So this is, this is good. Shin, I've said your name two times, two weeks in a row. So I know, Shin, I know you don't want me to say your name, Shin, but I, I just said it, Shin. So anyway, so anyway, these guys were push-up champions, and they did a ton of push-ups, okay? But it's awesome, right? You get big biceps, you do push-ups. But let's say you wanted to be like Royal and Shin, but you, couldn't, you, know, you, you can only do three push-ups, that's okay. Just start where you are. Start small. Do three push-ups every day. I bet you if you did three push-ups every day, Monday to Friday, by Saturday, I bet you would be able to do four push-ups. <laughs> the amount of push-ups is not what's important. 
What's important is that we're growing. What's important is that we're practicing and growing to be more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, push-ups, push-ups could, could, we could do this start with thankfulness, combat, fear, practice, generosity, just like, just like push-ups. Start with thankfulness. God, thank you for my body. Thank you for my body. All right? And then combat fear. Oh, my gosh. I only can do three push-ups. I wonder what other people are going to think about me. Am I not a worthwhile person because I can only do three push-ups? Ah! Jesus, you love me. Thank you that I can do three push-ups. I'm going to just do three push-ups. That's combating fear. And then practicing your push-ups. Then in the morning, you practice. So it works with push-ups. It works with generosity. Last week and um, on the chairs today, we handed out this pledge card. And I know not everybody got it last week. So I'm going to do the same thing I did last week to point out what is the most important part on this pledge card. And if you pull it out, um, I'd like you to look at it because really, this is the most important part of the pledge card. It's the bold part on the side with the colored uh, decal on it. And the, the bold part says this, the most important thing is to pause and prayerfully consider how God is leading you. That is the most important thing of this pledge card. And if you've been around GRX for a while, this is the thing that I keep trying to move us towards. The most important thing is to pause and prayerfully consider how God is leading you in your pledging, in your time, with your finances, in your relationships, in who to forgive, in how to be like Jesus. The most important thing is to prayerfully consider how God is leading you. The stewardship and the offering that we bring is not like a tax. It's not like a property tax. It's meant to create freedom and joy in us, to move us more deeply into relationship with God, and to more deeply connect with how God is leading us, how God is leading you, and how God is leading me. So let's pray together. God, I thank you that in Scripture, you give us examples of joy and freedom around our finances. God, we don't feel that way sometimes, and definitely in secular society, it doesn't teach us that. But God, I pray that we would become a people that would be able to have freedom and joy, thankfulness and generosity. God, we are simply giving back to you what you have provided for us. God, we pray that you would help us to see it, help us to know you, help us to trust your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.